Welcome to another episode of Strategize to Succeed. Selectively applying the strategies which we discuss each week will help you as you progress from conditions to opportunities to successes. Today, we are continuing with last week's discussion, which focused on the challenge of engaging with others. The last point made in your mentor's previous comments was that children learn in the sandbox setting to take initiative. By instinctively taking initiative, these children become able to exercise control over a situation, steer the direction, and engage their will so as to have an impact on the outcome. A similar situation can apply to anyone, regardless of their age. So much of what is essential to our growth and development, we learn as young children. Some of the earliest lessons we ever learn have to do with dealing successfully with others. When learning to interact with other children, the initial objective of the instruction is to be pleasant and cooperative and not to cry, scream, or hit. Of course, this lesson is not mastered in an equally effective manner by all children at the same age. Instead, from the earliest moments of interaction, individual personalities begin to develop. Leaders and followers begin to emerge. Cliques begin to form. Difficult and easygoing personalities become evident. Then, as children proceed through school, it becomes apparent that different styles of behavior are being explored. The studious, the athletic, the musical, the funny, and others are all finding their own place within their class. Some children are quite shy, others very outspoken. Some children require coaxing, and others take the initiative. Each step of the way, Children carry with them lessons which they generally first learn at home from their families and other adults, either by direct instruction or exposure. Over time, though, some universal lessons about human nature fade into the subconscious. Unfortunately, with age, it becomes increasingly necessary to re-examine the basics of how to deal with other people so that the most fundamental lessons can again be successfully implemented, even though the situations to which they are being applied become more complicated. You may laugh when I tell you about this amazingly basic yet helpful strategy for interacting with other people. Here it is. The common denominator is that they are people too. Of course they have different opinions and tastes, but each and every person has the same emotions, fear, joy, love, hate, and all the others in the spectrum. Each person also has a bushel of insecurities, along with some confidence. Everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses. Yet, as simplistic as this sounds, we often forget or overlook all of this while we try to support and defend only our own positions. Unfortunately, 
That approach will not succeed in business negotiations, and it will not succeed in personal relationships. It may take a bit more time, but the person with whom you are interacting must be respected as a person, with credibility being given to their feelings and opinions. Once that takes place, it is more likely that your feelings and preferences will be given comparable respect as a matter of reciprocity. As a corollary to this proposition, keep in mind that it is not always what you say, but it is always how you say it. Frequently, what causes difficulty for children and adults alike is not the thought which is being communicated. It is the way in which it is being executed. If the tone of your voice conveys sarcasm or hostility, the nature of the platitudes is irrelevant. If the comment always starts by interrupting another person, the point to be made is diminished by the demonstration of a lack of respect for another's thoughts. This guidance crosses all aspects of a person's life, young, old, family, business, it is universally important to be as sensitive to the manner of conveyance as one would be to the actual words being chosen. Take control not only of what you say, but also how you say it to achieve the most effective results. Another important consideration when engaging with others is what you likely recognize as the impulsive comment. However, keep in mind that the listener may hear what you said and think of it as the repulsive comment. The best way to avoid such spontaneous indiscretions is to stop, breathe, and count to 10 before speaking. This very simple process accomplishes a lot. First, it gives you the opportunity to collect your thoughts, lower your blood pressure, and make an effort to say something more effective and less damaging, rather than intensifying the emotions even further. The momentary pause also serves to give to the other party, who probably made the last remark to which you intend to reply, the opportunity to bring down their temperature so that the level of hostility can begin to recede. By stepping back for a moment and counting to 10, you are claiming control over both your own behavior and the situation itself. By pausing, you are also giving each participant the opportunity to regain control over themselves. There is no downside to using this approach. The only problem is that it is often overlooked in the heat of the moment. Taking a macro approach to communications for a moment, recognize that our society operates on the principle of interdependence. When there is a natural disaster, it is often neighbors who come to the rescue. When a small business is started, it is often extended family and friends who provide the initial support. 
The concept of interdependence could not exist or flourish without the existence of mutual trust. To exercise trust requires a suspension of the natural walls which individuals place around their emotions in an effort to protect themselves from the eventual possibility of harm. To tell you the truth, I'm not a very trusting person. It probably started when I was about six years old. One day in school, a little boy, yes, I still remember his name, but I choose not to give him either the credit or the blame. He came up with me with his fist closed. He said that if I closed my eyes and opened my mouth, he would give me the treat that he was holding in his hand. I did as I was invited and ended up with a mouthful of sand. After that event, my approach to trust has taken on the same philosophy which the late President Reagan espoused. Trust, but verify. No, I'm not advocating paranoia. However, I am suggesting that although naivete may be charming, the consequences of misplaced trust may be far worse than a mouthful of sand, if basic precautions are not taken. The most important action that any person can take when they are being asked to trust another person is to ask relevant questions and then listen to the answers. Also, pay attention to your gut instinct. It does respond to circumstances in which you find yourself. With the possible exception of an emergency situation, remember that where you place your trust is completely within your control and should be given only on a voluntary basis. So take the basic steps to try to assure that it is justified. Once initial precautions have been taken, it then becomes much easier and more rewarding to build a long-lasting, trusting relationship. Notwithstanding all of the preparatory measures you take to ensure a smooth interaction with others, recognize that no one is perfect and there will be bad times as disillusioning as it may be. It is irrefutable that no one is perfect and that is perhaps a curse of human beings. It does not matter whether the pedestal fits your professional mentor, your favorite professor, your soulmate, your parents, or even you. No one escapes unscathed. Because each of us is afflicted with imperfections, there are times when disappointments will occur, expectations will not be met, and bad times will follow. There is really nothing that can prepare someone for such distress. It is burdensome to go through life expecting the worst in everyone. You then lose the joy, hope, and wonderment, which are also integral components of life. I would suggest that the one way to insulate yourself from emotional devastation is to recognize in yourself and others that it is unrealistic to hold people up to standards so high that they are unattainable 
and destined for failure. This is not to say that standards do not matter. They do. However, at times, it is necessary to select priorities, deal breakers versus preferences. Making such a determination, which you will note is within your control, might help you to focus your attention on those with similar priorities. This does not guarantee perfection from others, but it may help to temper your expectations and lessen the bad times for you. Thank you for sharing your time today. Remember, your application of strategic decision-making approaches can result in more beneficial outcomes for you, both professionally and personally. Why not turn that process into your opportunity.